God is good. And my wife and I was talking last night in bed about 11.30 last night, and, and I was dying. And uh, I was trying to go to sleep, and she was just full of questions and discussing issues about uh, some things in life that uh, hard to, to get an answer for. And, and um, But she was talking to me about believing Egypt. And that's the series I've been on. She said, man, it seemed like you struggled so much in this series before with a uh, um, What was it? Just like Jesus. That's a good one. That one or, or going to a, uh, the Christmas one. Uh, God came near. That's it. Those, are, those were just messages the Lord gave me that really seemed to just happen. And it seemed to really engage with people and myself when we begin to speak them. But this has been a hard one. And I wonder if it hasn't been a hard one because it's, an, it's a hard topic to talk about. Because in all reality, leaving Egypt represents something that we're leaving our past behind us and moving on to something else. And sometimes you and I, we don't like to leave this stuff here. We like to take a little bit of it with us. And I, I could go into my scripture. I probably won't share much on my scripture. But, yeah, go to Exodus. Not Numbers. Go to Numbers, if you will. Before we even go to Numbers, let's go to John. How about that? We're starting a New Testament. John 21. There's, sometimes it's hard, to, it's difficult to make a different a differentiation, differential, whatever I'm trying to say, you know it. So it's hard to make a, a, a distinct time of cutting off something in your past. And sometimes we like to bring it with us. And there's a guy in the book of John, chapter 21, his name is Peter. 21 verses 3 through 6. Simon Peter said, what am I, I'm going out to fish. In other words, what he said was, forget it guys, I'm frustrated, I go fishing. I go fishing. Kind of like a third grader would say, or a second grader, first grader, kindergarten, I go fishing. And, but when he, he decided to go, and everybody went with him. He went out and he fished. The next year's verse, we're going through the verses, you want to put them up there. But everything that he intended to do, he went out there, and I think he was really one solitude. Even all of them were like my wife, she was full of questions last night, things we were talking about. They were just going out there to fellowship, if you will. And it was a familiar thing that he had always done about fishing. But something else happened while he was out of fishing at night. The next morning they fished on the island, and he was uh, coming in, getting ready to come in from the fishing, and somebody on shore, and don't you just love it when a preacher or for somebody else in your life that you really don't want to hear it, somebody on the shore began to tell you how to fish. Hey, caught anything? No. I'll tell you what you do. If you let on the right side of the, on the right side of the boat, let your net down, you'll have, you'll have a great catch. And initially, he's just like me, and he's just like you. All the, all the disciples that were with him, he thought, there's no way. Some joker on the beach is telling me how to do my job, and I'm professional at that. And he did it, and he caught a huge amount of fish. But the problem wasn't in the success of the fish. The problem was when he began to think about going back to his past. Going to his past, something he was familiar with, something he was comfortable with. And how many of us this morning have come from an Egypt to a place of Christ? You may have been new, you may be new to Christ, you may have been here for a month, you may have been here six months, you may have been here six years, you may have been here 30 years, it doesn't matter. But you left the darkness in the, in the past and you started something new with Christ here. I said it earlier. 
people come up and pray with people. And I know a lot of people up here that maybe you knew them in their past. And you would think, well, I don't really think they're, you know, kind of up to speed as far as praying. And maybe they aren't in your, in your standards. But something happened in their life. Something happened in my life. Now you go to the book of Numbers. I'm going to go back and I'm going to touch on a couple of things. Should I leave Egypt or not? Should I leave the old ways or not? Was it a good idea or was it a bad idea? Am I taking a chance? Maybe I, maybe I can't serve this Jesus. Maybe he can't be the Lord of my life. What will, end up, what will end up happening since I've left Egypt? What will, end up, what will I end up looking like? How will I be thought of? And I'll tell you what, those who have left Egypt have those thoughts just run through your mind. What did I look like coming up here and people praying with me? Did I look stupid? Did I look like a fool? Because we all think, we all worry about things that people think and, and people visualize in their minds what other people think about them. read about Peter. He was discouraged and he was basing his direction on what? Feelings only. Feelings are important as Glenn brought up to me on Wednesday night here and I was, I was slamming on our feelings but he said our feelings is what God speaks to us often to and I stand corrected because I was talking about my wife. It doesn't matter. I wasn't trying to be funny. Believe me. I don't. Okay. Uh, go to Numbers. Chapter 12 and verse 1. You see, you were never supposed to be in Egypt. Never. Even though we were born in the family we were born in, and we were a product of all that, a lot of the ways that we were raised, you were never born to be in Egypt. You may have made bad choices, and you did probably make some bad choices, and you ended up in a place called Egypt. And it became part, and it became very natural to you to live according to the Egyptians. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. He had married a Cushite. And they said, is Moses the only one that the Lord speaks to? Doesn't he also speak to us? And the Lord heard this. Now listen just a minute. There's a reason why they're picking at Moses. Maybe they feel left out, a little left out. And maybe if you're here, you may feel like I should be the one speaking. Or I should be the one up front. I should be the one speaking. If that's the case, you become just like Miriam and just like Aaron. You got caught up in the who am I and I ought to be me. And that's why you're not being used. That's why. Well, let's stop for a minute. So we had this situation because Moses had made a rule. No intermarrying. No marrying a Gentile and a Jew. If you're a Jew, you had to marry another Jew. Now, his brother and his sister began to think, well, if he's telling us that because God's given him that, he was married to a lady who was a Cushite. And she was anything but a Jew. She was a Gentile of Gentiles, and he was married to her. Who is he? Does God only speak to him? Let me tell you another thing they began to think. You see, Moses, he was a great guy. He was the kind of guy, if he had time, you sit down and talk and find out about those 40 years on the backside of the desert. 
thought about his first 40 years being raised in the palace, in the, in the palace of a Pharaoh and all the luxury he had and all the clothes he had and, and the way he was looked at by everybody else. But the same way you could talk to Miriam and Aaron, they would talk about all the negatives. Look at Moses. Look how he got to live and we were the slaves. Look how he was clothed and we, we, we barely had enough to put on. You see, there's a lot more to this passage in Numbers 12 than just all of a sudden just begin to speak it. They had a lot of things accumulated in their mind about things that were unjust about Moses. And Moses never considered them. Moses had been raised in the palace. His clothes were, were uh, explicit and uh, very nice and very close. Um, his education, his popularity, everybody liked him for some reason. He got to go on a 40-year vacation on the backside of the wilderness. Nobody can discourage a leader more than his family. And let me tell you, if you've come out of Egypt and you've given your heart to Christ, one of the first things you need to recognize is your family may not understand it. And your family will be the first one to discourage you. And they will insinuate things and say things about coming out of Egypt that will dishearten you. And before long, you'll find yourself no longer in church and no longer praying, no longer seeking the Lord. You'll begin to think, well, I was never born for this. But in all reality, you were born for this. You really were. Every one of you, God has got a specific call on your life. It may not be anything that you have, have, have dreamed about. It may not be anything that may be in the limelight. Where's Billy Lane? You may not know him without his goatee. But you all don't, you all don't know how much I appreciate Billy Lane. He, is, he has got a servant's heart. Now, you probably don't like me talking about it, but He's got a servant's heart. Everything he does, he's just willing to bend over backwards and do whatever he can to help. If you looked, asked him when he was 16 years old, do you think he'll ever be in church? Was, there, was, was his family empowering him to be a believer? Not at all. If you'd asked him when he was younger, ask him when he was 20, he said, no, I got my, I got, I'm, 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 I'm not say that. I got some of my habits, we'll say. I'm going to do my own thing. But he was never meant to stay in Egypt. It was destined by God Almighty to bring him out of that place and put him in this place and that other place before here. Establish a, 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 a gift in his mind, in his heart. And he may have never thought of it this way, but he was never intended to go through what he's went through in his past. I think about my kids. I think it's about so many of you who came from a rotten past. Rotten. You're never supposed to be there. Thank God you're at a place now that God has got great things in store for you in your life. There was a, a guy, I've shared this before, and uh, he was in New York City. It was, uh, his wife was trying to get him in for Teen Challenge. And and his wife was really crying and adamant about it and finally got him an interview. And he, he had an interview with Brother Wilkerson, or at least the people in the, in the Teen Challenge up there. And he got into the program, and, and he was gone for a year, and he separated from his family. His wife was so excited. She came to her service with him. She was so excited. And she would see him in, in the service about raising his hand. This is in the 70s, y'all. You know, he was raising his hand and praising the Lord, and he was a different person. He had finally got the Egypt out of his life, and he was living in a way that he was free of Egypt. And after he got out, his wife and him were reunited. She was so excited. He was too. And he actually went back home, I guess, to his job and things. But he went back home. But, but it was different now. And maybe you faced this. He was different. Things that used to didn't bother him now bothered him. 
things he used to do, he would never do now. Because he had a relationship with Christ, a relationship with the Lord he had never had. He always, always woke up every day in his life thinking, I just need another fix. I need another fix. I think he was a heroin addict. He was constantly worried about that. And his wife would complain all the time about his previous life, how he never was consistent. You hear that? He was never consistent. He was never faithful in working. When he came home, he was home for a while. His wife began to want to go do a few things that he used to do, but he would no longer do them. Finally, she got so fed up with him, and she was so mad. She went and bought a bag of dope and went home and on the cow on the table stood on, on the table to him with that and a bunch of needles said, shoot up, I like you better as an addict. And he went back to Egypt. Sad story, but it's true. He was never meant. Never meant. You may be here. Similar things happen in your life. Maybe alcohol, maybe drugs, maybe a bad attitude. Maybe a, a foul mouth, maybe a, 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 a lineage of gossip is went through your family. Never, ever were you supposed to be that way. Never, never. Negative, a person that's always negative, you were never meant to be that way. Maybe your past has created a lot of avenues in your life that's made you a little negative. But never, ever were you supposed to be that way. Number 16. tell you, when you leave Egypt, I know some of you, I guess we'll pick it back up. When you leave Egypt, it puts you in limelight. It puts you in a place that everybody's going to take notice. I think it was James Redcloud, when he gave his heart to Christ, guys at work were taking bets on how long he'll last, the last three months, the last four, six months, you know, whatever it was. And he's far exceeded anything that they thought because they knew the foul mouth James Ricklow. Yeah. I remember James too. I mean, he was. He always had the ponytail, but he was, he was always a faithful, good guy. Just show up, just always had character about what he lived for. But he was still living living in Egypt. We got a little thing sticking up here about leaving Egypt in chains, and and he was, because James. I'm going to say this. He never told me this, but he was always miserable. He was always complaining. He was always full of things that shouldn't have been there. And when you get into a place and you say, "I've made a difference. I made a commitment to Christ." Put you like a sore thumb sticking out, and everybody that's, a, that's around you, the family's the worst, but then other people begin to ridicule, and that's what happened to Moses. Being called of God doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to be peachy and everything's going to be wonderful. If you've come to if you've come to church here and you've been here more than uh, six months anyway, you know that the real life still hits you sometimes, but you have a different opinion about it. You have a different. Uh, uh, view of life when you come from Egypt. Number 16, verse 1. 
And Korah and Dathan and Abiram and on turned against Moses. Korah was the son of, it doesn't matter. That's down to, um, just catch up in verse 2. These men gathered 250 other Israelite men, well-known leaders by the, chosen by the community, and tra- challenged Moses. And they came to speak to Moses and Aaron and said, You've gone too far. All the people are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. So why have you put yourself above the people? He didn't put himself above the people. God put him above the people. There's a time that God takes certain people to place them there. And now, is it any fun? No, it wasn't. Because they had to make decisions based on a whole group. And those, so these guys became disgruntled, became aggravated, and got a whole bunch of people with them. And they went and tried to confront Moses. I'm not going to tell you you can read the rest of chapter 16. God takes care of things. He always does. So we learned something. I, I made reference to this message that Charles said. Where's Jesus in all this? So he's changed the way I'm looking at a lot of things. And Joe brought it up Wednesday night. Where's Jesus in all this? And I begin to think, in Moses' life, where was Jesus in all of this stuff? Now, he was alive, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, even in the time of, of Moses. It wasn't that he just was born by Mary, and that's the first time he existed. He was already in existence. I want you to notice something. He was right where he was supposed to be, with Moses out of Egypt. You see, he was in, well, he was in the burning bush. Jesus was in the burning bush. Jesus was in the, the ten curses of, of Egypt so they could see the truth and let the people go. Jesus was, was in the parting of the Red Sea. I don't think he was a magic stick. I think he was out of obedience, and Jesus honored it, and Jesus was there in the Red Sea. He was also in the man of the fell. He provided the bread every day, and they'd wake up and they'd go out and, and, and take their bread and, and feed their family. He was in the cloud to let them a day, and he was in the pillar of fire by night. Jesus was there in the crossing of the of the. Jordan to the promised land. But listen, he was with Moses can see Jesus, and I can see Jesus through the whole thing. And Jesus was there. And here's Moses. He wanted to go to the promised land. He only made, oh, let me tell you this one. Jesus was also in the rock that brought forth the water. He was. He was with them from the beginning. They didn't see him. And I mean, so many times in our life, Different times in our walk and things, we say, well, where is God? I pray all the time, where is he? I don't see him. He's never done anything in my life. Oh, if you just give him time. See, it was a period of 40 years in the wilderness. He may show up one time, except for the cloud and the pillar of fire and the man every day and the rock about every three days or whatever. He'll show up if you'll keep trusting him. Because he never called you out of Egypt put you in a wilderness. Moses was in the wilderness and he got to the Jordan River and he got to see the promised land. But he never got to go in there. You see, Jesus was with Moses when he took his last breath. God was so much in Moses' life is the same way God is so much in our life. Regardless of what we've done, regardless of the 
junk that we've, we've invited into our life or we've allowed into our life, he's with them. He's with him, and he's with us. And he still is. He's with you, and he's with me. Throughout the years, man, I've seen his faithfulness in spite of me. His faithfulness through the years. We've been in Bloomfield for about 22 years. And he has been nothing but faithful. There's the times in, the, in, in Egypt, you can say, that I wondered where he was and why these bad things are happening. But one thing I've learned, as long as we are consistent and we're faithful and we're following after him, oh, you'll never re regret going back to Egypt. No, you will regret. You'll never regret leaving Egypt. I'm so glad that my wife has endured with me for all these years. Sure, I may say things sometime and get in trouble. Not with her, but with other people. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Okay, stand corrected. But you're not supposed to be there. You're supposed to be well, maybe here. But I know there's bondages sometimes. We keep running back to you. You were caught out of darkness into his marvelous light for a purpose, to be a blessing, to be the good. And this is a big one. For such a time as this. For such a time as this. God has called you. And I, if I, I couldn't say everybody's name, but I could get pretty close. But for such a time as this, you were called to be different. You were called out of Egypt for this day. This is just the beginning. But it's definitely not the end. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. We'll sing one more song. If you don't know Christ, if you've never given your heart to Him, or maybe you backslidden, man, you went and done your own thing. You sat here and you thought, man, this service is a little bit out there, a little bit wild, and a little bit crazy. I know it's 12 o'clock, we're going to go. Do you remember when people began to ridicule the lady who was washing Jesus' feet? with her tears and drying his feet with her hair. People began to, to mock her and make say insinuate little things. And he said, after she got done, he goes, to whom much is for, for, for to whom much is forgiven. I will get this right. She's been forgiven much. So she is grateful for much. And many times you don't understand everybody up here, a lot of them a lot of things they've been grateful for. Maybe they weren't raised in church. Some of them weren't. As they begin to sing, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, the greatest decision you will ever make is more important than even your wife that you pick, more important than the husband that you pick. If you haven't picked him yet, it's more important. Would you come up here and make the decision to follow Christ?